And I want to talk to you today, just over the next few minutes, about day by day, the Lord adding those that were being saved. Talk about daily salvations and how God is going to do that in the church, but also as, as, as you were here on Vision Weekend. And if you missed it, you can always go back on YouTube and watch that. But the vision really is to see people saved in the church, which happens, but to see people saved in your life outside of these four walls, your neighbors, your co-workers, those that are in your life, to see those that you've been praying for, that God would put on your heart, and honestly, just a growing urgency and burden, like, Lord, you put me around these people. They may not enter this building until after they're saved. Lord, grow the urgency within me to share with them that God is alive and God wants to transform their life. We'd love to start in this scripture, uh, the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 through 17. And a lot of times when we end a service and there's, a, there's an opportunity for those to give their life to Jesus, we'll share this verse, Romans 10, 9, and 10. But let's read all the way through verse 17, talking about daily salvation. It says this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 11 says this, For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in Jesus of whom they've never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Can I encourage you, church? You are the sent ones. It's not just the pastors called to preach, but it's you, the Christ follower, called to share the good news of Jesus. As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We need more power, not just for ourselves and not just for our holy huddles and high fives. We need more power for more people. More people added to the kingdom. Can we just pray as we kind of just spend the next few moments talking about people getting saved. Lord, we thank you that your presence is here right now. You are here right now. And I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts. That we would be beyond inspired. We would be compelled by your word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We would be compelled to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those that are in our lives. We ask that you would do a miracle in our heart and in those around us, the world, our sphere of influence, that you would do a miracle and we would see salvation after salvation, life transformation after life transformation. God, that there would be testimonies coming, not just from the church, not just from our ministries, but God, in the workplace and in our neighborhoods and in the coffee shops and in the restaurants and on the street. We believe it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Um, 
as a church, you know, one of our one of our values is our heart is global. And I know Vancouver's new to this this family, but you're not new to uh, living not just for ourselves, but living for other people. And want to see people give their lives to Jesus. And, and our, our church in Minnesota, we've been sending, we call them global teams. Maybe you call them missions trips. Um, but we, we send teams all around the world. And I've had the privilege, the opportunity to go to a country called Turkey multiple times. Has anybody been to Turkey? Okay, a couple of people. Awesome. Turkey is my favorite place in the world. No offense to Vancouver. Vancouver's awesome. But I love Turkey. I don't know what it is. My heart is just like like drawn to it. I love the people, the people, it's beautiful people, hospitality, culture. They're so kind and so nice. The food is amazing. It's like Mediterranean, Middle Eastern food. And it's just, it's just like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a foodie. Like I love going. I'm so excited to get to Istanbul, Turkey and, and experience the people, experience the food. But then also you go to Istanbul, Turkey, it's a city of tens of millions of people. It used to be the Christian capital of the world. It was called Constantinople, now Istanbul, um, and, and, and now it, it's totally unreached. So there are very few believers. You go to Istanbul, and there are neighborhoods in Istanbul that feel like Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or I, I don't know the hipster, you know, what's the hipster Canadian city? I don't know. Toronto? I don't know. Like, like you go to downtown Istanbul, you're like, I can't believe, I, I can't believe that th- it is this this cool, this amazing. You see young people, you see pop-up shops and businesses and coffee shops and all. You're like in the middle of it. And I love people and I love in an urban environment. It's amazing. But then you have the opportunity on these trips that we go on, you get to fly to the northeast of Turkey and, and up in the mountains. And, and go in the summertime, it's so green, it's so lush, and you meet the mountain village people, and you're like, wow, I can't believe this. I, I've been able to swim in the Black Sea on the north, the Mediterranean Sea is on the south. Turkey is an amazing place, and when we lead these global teams to countries where they're very unreached, Pastor Rob will, will encourage us as team leaders, like, don't get so caught up that it's such an amazing country, and the food is so good, and the city's so amazing, and forget the fact that 99.9% of the people are without Jesus, and without Jesus, their eternal destination is hell. Can you say hell in church? I don't know. <laughs> we believe that without Jesus, their eternal destination is hell. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we send global teams. That's why. But can I remind all of us that it's not just Turkey. It's Vancouver. It's not just Turkey. It's your neighbors. It's your co-workers. It's in your neighborhood, workplace, in the streets that you go, everywhere you go. Without Jesus, the eternal destination is hell. And we want to share with those the good news of Jesus. And it's not just fire insurance. It's not just to avoid hell. The worst part of hell, by the way, is being apart from God. The worst part is eternity apart from God. Yet Jesus made a way where there was no way that we could be saved and have eternity in heaven. I want to talk for the next few moments. Like, how do we evangelize the world? And when you hear the vision, like, daily saved and and those outside the church, like, you're going to see somebody in your life give their life to Jesus. When when you hear that vision, like, some of you are like, not a chance. Like, like... 
that's scary. Like I'm not a yelling preacher like you are. Like I don't like, like I, this is intimidating. This is I, like, like, and I, I just want to tell you, remind you, yes, there is a chance. Yes, God wants to use you, that you can share your faith. And I want to just talk about, like, how do we evangelize the world? Point number one is we're going to evangelize the world. We're going to see daily salvations. We're going to see more power for more people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And the Pentecostals said amen. We're going to do it first and foremost with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus said this, John chapter 20, verses 21 22. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Jesus is sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves into your life. And that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, side note. Sometimes when you go to church and talk about Holy Spirit, like gets a little spooky. Like, wait, I, is that is it? We we believe that God loves when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to get nervous. We don't have to get worried. There are so many benefits to the Holy Spirit. Not only does He live in us, but He fills us. He fills us with the, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you might say, well, I know some non-believers that are kind. I know some people that are not saved, that are joyful. But can I tell you, somebody that is filled with the Spirit of God, a Christ follower, can have joy on their worst day. Can have peace in the middle of chaos. What Stacy say? Somebody in, a, in this church is going through Psalm 23, which is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For the Lord God is with me. The believer, full of the Holy Spirit, has the fruit of the Spirit, not just when everything's going great, but even on our worst day, I can be full of the joy of the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit and fire, the fruit of the Spirit, but also the gifts of the Spirit. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, the Lord wants to pour out gifts on your life. It's like superpowers, but not like comic books, like real life. Like God wants to fill you with greater power that's not based on your education, your pedigree, what family you were raised in, how good you've been, if you've earned it. It is the grace of God and it's the power of God. He wants to pour out gifts in your life. If one person claps, let's all clap. Give God some praise that he's got gifts for us. Gifts of the Spirit, Revelation gifts. So this is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can read more about it. But Revelation gifts like gifts of wisdom. Knowledge, discerning of spirits, power gifts of faith, healings, miracles, speaking gifts, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says this, and this is operating in the gifts of the Spirit, that this is true for you and for me. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. That's crazy. 
Look at the works that Jesus did in the Bible. He did healings and miracles. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised himself from the dead. Jesus did the miraculous, yet he says, you will do the same works. And he goes on to take it a step further. And greater works than these will you do. I don't know how it's possible, but I believe it. So the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, but, but then you're like, you said something about fire. Like, what's, like what's the fire part? Like, like what does that mean? Like, you know, like, we juggle fire. Like, those people are going to be, like, you know, probably not going to come to church. Like, what, like, what is fire? Holy Spirit and fire. And this is what we mean by that. Can I read a scripture out of the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah? It says this. Chapter 20, verse 9. If I say I will not mention him, if I'm not going to mention the things of God, if I can't talk about who God is in my life, if I'm not going to speak any more in his name, I can't, I can't share in the name of Jesus, then this is what happens. There is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary with holding it in, and I cannot. What we mean by the Holy Spirit and with fire is a growing passion, a growing urgency as you are filled with the Spirit. It's not just like, as long as I'm good, I'm good. No, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, which grows within me a fire and a passion to see lost people saved. A fire and a passion to talk about the things of God. A fire and a passion to be used by God in a great way for His glory and for His kingdom. The Holy Spirit and fire. And there's symbolism in the upper room, in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 2. As they're filled with the Spirit of God, it was like tongues of fire on top of each one of their head. The Holy Spirit and fire. God's got greater power for you, and it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't have enough time today to talk about Elijah, talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But there's so much fire stories in the Old Testament that God uses as symbolism today for us operating in the power of the Holy Spirit that you can do greater works than even Jesus himself. And that's not blasphemy. That is the words of Jesus himself. How are we going to evangelize the world? Holy Spirit and fire. Number two is with your healing testimony. It was months back that I had the opportunity to come here and share a message about countless testimonies. That you have a testimony, but also, specifically, we're going to reach our neighbors and our coworkers and the people in our life by sharing our healing testimony. And you might say, well, I don't have a healing testimony. I, like Some of you do have a healing testimony, by the way. I know people that have been healed from cancer. We got a testimony last week. Somebody uh, at our church, our Apple Valley campus, I know that means nothing to you, but his name's Jeremy Frost. Jeremy and Jennifer, they go, they've been praying for their mother-in-law who has multiple tumors. And can I tell you, those tumors have miraculously disappeared. Doctors go, I can't explain it. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I, I, it's a miracle. And there are medical miracles that we believe that God is working. He's all-powerful. Some of you have healing in your mind that you used to believe lies of the enemy. You used to be in the fog of, of the war of life. You used to be confused, yet God has solidified your mind to believe the Word of God, to believe what is true. And now you have a strength in your mind like never before. That's a healing testimony. Some of you emotionally, you've been healed 
And some of you go, I'm living for Jesus, but I just, I can't pinpoint that, I can't pinpoint what's the healing testimony. If you can't, if you can't pinpoint cancer or mental or sickness or, or healing, what about your marriage? What about relationship with your kids? What does God do? Like, how has he healed your life? But if you still can't find something as a Christ follower, you go, I don't have a healing testimony. Can I remind you that once you were dead, and now you've been made alive, I don't have a testimony. I, you know, I just, I, you know, everybody else gets their mirror. Everybody else gets their, you know, it's not going to happen for me. I'm living for you. I'm just doing my thing. I don't, once you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Let's read the scripture, actually. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses in sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power and the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we've all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's our sickness. And here's our healing testimony as Christ followers. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. You have a healing testimony, and we got to share it. we got to share it. God is sending you. Jesus is sending you to be the preacher in this world. And it's not to stand up on a box on the corner and tell everybody they're going to hell. It's to share your healing testimony of what God's done in your life. Okay. For some of you, you don't like a guy yelling at you for 30 minutes, so I'm going to calm down just for a second. For some of you, you don't like the emotional, you know, this is, this is emotional. I'd love to give you some, some practical handles on how do I actually share with somebody. Cool? I'm going to give you five things. There's a guy named Tom Eli, and he developed what he calls the one-minute witness. How could I share my testimony and the good news of Jesus, the gospel message? How could I do this in one minute or less? There's five things, and, and each point you can remember on, on one finger. So, so even, even just imagine with me as I go through these five things. Just imagine, you know, the first one on your thumb and work through. You can memorize this. You can, you can have this at your disposal at any moment. And I, I just believe the Lord's going to speak to your heart maybe later this week, later this month, that, that you're going to be in relationship with somebody, in a conversation with somebody, and, and the Lord's going to impress on your heart like, hey, You've got this tool. How about you give it a shot? How about you try this? The first thing, number one, is, is getting permission. The permission is asking a question like this. Hey, um, could, I, could I ask you a question? Get permission. Can I ask you a question? Bless you. God bless you. Say this. What's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? What's the greatest thing? And then genuinely hear their story. You know, I, like life is about relationship and hearing their story. Genuinely care about it. Don't just like zone out. Um, but as you're listening to their story, there usually is an opportunity to say, can I, can I share with you the greatest thing that's ever happened to me? And I hope the greatest thing that's ever happened to you is something that Jesus has done in your life. And so now you're off to the races. You're, you're into it. And the first thing is, can I, can I get permission? The second one is, is B.C., before Christ. So, again, you're trying to do this in 60 seconds or less. You could do it in five minutes or less. You could do it in ten minutes. But, but the point is to just remember the flow of conversation. B.C., this is who I was before I met Jesus. Once I was dead in my trespasses, you know. 
Once I was depressed, once I was full of anxiety, once I was lonely and isolated, once I was sick in my body, what is your testimony? Before you met Jesus, who were you? And then the third one is, is TP, turning point. What was the turning point in your life when you heard the message and you said, wow, I think there's something to this, and I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I, I want to make that decision. I have a faith to believe that God is real. What was the turning point? And, and turning point is turning away from your old way of living. That's called repentance. Turning away from your old way of living. And what are you turning towards? I'm turning towards Jesus. That's called faith. Away from your old way of living. Repentance towards Jesus is faith in Jesus Christ. This is the turning point that happened. And then the fourth one is A.D., after decision. After you made the decision to follow Jesus, what happened? And can I just tell you and remind you and encourage you that when you give your life to Jesus, it does not mean that all of your problems are solved. But that does not mean that you don't have a powerful story to share of what happened after you gave your life to Christ. Maybe it is blessings and provision and clarity and comfort and sleep and relationships. Maybe God does that type of miracle in your life, and he does do that. But also the, the AD testimony, the after-decision testimony, could be that I was still sick in my body, yet God gave me a new perspective. I was still struggling with X, Y, and Z, but I had a hope like never before. I, I was still dealing with something. I was still walking through it. I was still, there was still trial. There was still uh, a chaos that I was dealing with, but I was now doing it with the fruit of the Spirit. I had joy like never before. I had peace like never before. I'm operating in the gifts of the Spirit. I've got a little bit of Holy Spirit fire. Now you have an AD testimony after I gave my life to Christ. And the fifth one is to share, if I had never made that decision, here's where I believe I would have ended up. If I didn't make that decision to follow Jesus, here's where I'd be. And I know life well enough to know that some of you, as you take inventory of that question, if I had never given my life to Jesus, you might not be alive today. My testimony, if, if I never gave my life to Jesus, rededicating my life to the Lord at 18 years old, if I never turned from my evil way of living, I don't know that I'd be alive. I for sure wouldn't have found my wife, and I wouldn't have my four kids. And so what's your testimony? What's your story? Can I ask you a question? Here, and then here's who I was before Jesus. Here's the turning point. Here's after I made the decision. And if I had never made that decision before, here's where I think I would have ended up. And you can just end with this question. What would keep you from making that decision today to follow Jesus? I think that that's a nice way to ask it. Versus like, are you ready to repent? You know, it's like, <laughs> like you know, stick them up. You know, it's like, like a little intense, you know. But a great friendly question is, what would keep you from making that decision today to follow Jesus? And they can go, well, I still got some questions. Or I'm just not certain. Or I'm not convinced. You know, and that's okay. Like, okay, let's keep the dialogue going. And we'll continue to have relationship. But that's some practical ways. If that's what you were looking for today, you are now dismissed back into the passionate emotional preaching. Okay. How are we going to evangelize the world? With the Holy Spirit with fire? We're going to evangelize the world by sharing our, our, our healing testimony. We all have it. Uh, but also planning on a big family. Not like family planning, but planning on a big family. 
Okay, as a Christ follower, we are meant to be fruitful and multiply. In the book of Genesis, it talks about Adam and Eve. And it says, be fruitful and multiply. And, and back then, it was actually about having children. But for us as Christ followers today, we should be planning on being fruitful and multiplying and having children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren until Jesus returns that we are going to have and lead a big family leading people to Jesus. And I love that in the kingdom of God, you can have children that are older than you. Some of you are going to lead your parents to Jesus. Some of you are going to lead people in your life, a boss, to Jesus. Some of you are going to lead your children to Jesus or your grandchildren to Jesus. But you plan on a big family. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the Great Commission. This is our mission on planet Earth. This is why, man, I, I wish we could just skip all the pain and the, and, 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 and the sickness and the hurting and the tears. I wish we could just skip it all. Can we just give our lives to Jesus and, like, go to heaven? Let's just do it. Like, how, like why can't, like, why, God, just beam me up, Scotty. Like, how do we do this? Like, why doesn't that happen? The reason is because there's a world that has yet to hear Jesus Christ. And some of them are your neighbors. Some of them are your coworkers, the people in your life. they got to hear. And that's why it's this great commission, Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love this quote from John Wesley. It says this, You have nothing to do but save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. Our mission is to save souls, to see people come to Jesus, being added to the family of God. As a Christ follower, full of the Spirit, how do we reach our world? We actually make intention in our heart and in our mind, I'm planning on a big family. I want to reach as many people as possible. I am not satisfied following Jesus just for myself. I'm satisfied following Jesus and seeing how many people can come along this journey as well. I'd love to do this just before, just before we close. Um, this isn't like the closing prayer, but um, I'd love to just bow our heads and close our eyes just right now, just across the room. There, there is a reality to, um, there, there's a reality to all of this that feel, can feel intimidating or that can feel like, what are we doing? Are we just trying to earn, like, you know, we just, we just, what, like, are we trying to, is this like a competition? Is this like a, you know, are we just trying to accumulate, um, you know, like, are we trying to be better than somebody? Like, are we? Like, are we trying to earn God's love? Like, and, and there's questions there, but also like, man, when I think about Sharon, it's just, I, I just don't have the boldness and I don't, and I, but I want that. I, I want to pray just as we get ready, we're getting close here to the end, but I, I, I really believe this and you need to hear this in your heart that th- accomplishing the vision and the Great Commission is not going to be just because you try harder. Like to actually share, it's not going to be just because you 
uh, you've been studying your, your your apologetics or because you, you, you're, you, you're doing great in your Bible memorization. Like, this is not just going to be because you're trying harder. Like, like I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to. But, but you're going to be able to share with the people in your life primarily because the Holy Spirit ministers to your heart right now. I believe that God wants to do a miracle in your heart and in your mind right now. That He is going to pour out His Spirit over you that what will come out of that is is a greater passion, a greater heart and burden for the lost, a a greater boldness like never before. Well, I don't want to be the weird, I don't want to offend, I don't want to, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just, they'll do their thing and I'll do, and, and the Holy Spirit wants to minister to your heart and fill you up that, no, we, we've got a job to do. There is an urgency to it. We're not promised tomorrow. I want to see every person in your family know Jesus. I want to see every person in your workplace know Jesus. I want to see every person in Ladner and Tawasson and White Rock and and like I want to see every person in Vancouver saved. I want to like like there's an urgency. God, you placed me here for a reason. I'm, I I just want to ask, are you here saying I'm a little bit intimidated? I'm a little bit nervous, but I want to do this. I want more boldness. I want to be the person that can share unashamedly the goodness of God. If that's you, can you just open your hands towards heaven? Just open them right now. Just where you're sitting, just saying, God, I want want the power of the Holy Spirit like never before. I want greater boldness. Lord, I pray over every person around this room. Many, many, many are responding this moment. We ask that you would do a miracle in their life and in their heart. A greater passion like never before. A greater urgency. And I just pray that you would calm their spirit. This is not something to be nervous about. This is not something to be intimidated by. This is going to be something that they're able to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe this, that as they take a step of faith to share, even this week, there's, the Holy Spirit is going to give the right words in the right moment. And I just pray a special grace over this year and over our church that there would be low-hanging fruit out there, people that are ready to say yes to you. That it's like, Where have you been my whole life? I've been waiting for the truth. I've been waiting for the real thing. I've been waiting for somebody to share. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I pray that they would experience, this church would experience, every person would experience somebody in their life saying yes to Jesus this year. Lord, let it happen. Let it be a a move of the Holy Spirit. Just with hands open right now, the Lord is ministering to your heart. I think of this old song, Refiner's fire My heart's one desire Is to be holy Set apart for you, Lord I choose to be holy 
set apart for you my master ready to do your will Lord I thank you that there's people responding right now that are ready to do your will but they're asking for more of the Holy Spirit they're asking for a boldness that's not going to come from their personality and charisma but it's going to come from the Holy Spirit I pray that as they are full of the Holy Spirit they're ready to share their testimony and ultimately ready to preach the gospel message of Jesus. Ready to preach it. To say we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We were in need of a Savior. 